All right, welcome to another episode of the Agency Dallas, the Red Mike. And today we are talking with Strange and Sons, which is a local builder here in Dallas. And we're going to talk all things new construction. You hear about people making it in real estate all the time, but you've been intimidated. You've psyched yourself out for no reason. This is Red Mike. To be a pro, you need to hear from the pros. And here they are, Damon Williamson and Trey Stewart. All right, so we got Greg and Andrew Strange here today, and they're both husband or husband. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> they are uh, father and son, and they are building here in Dallas, and currently we have a few houses that are listed under contract, or listed currently that we're trying to get under contract. We actually are trying to work one right now, but the um, whole thing about the new construction here in Dallas is, is a very fast pace and very competitive market, and these guys are going to talk to us today about how they're wading through the storm of new construction. Welcome, Greg and Andrew. Appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I think the first, but, well, Trey's here too. Hi. I can't forget about Trey. Trey's, <laughs> Trey's always here. He's still here. Sometimes you just don't know if he's yeah. here. Uh, but so we've got one question to start is, how did you guys end up in Dallas? Because this is not your hometown, right? <laughs> you, you, you guys, well, you uh, originally were in, uh, college before you got into the construction with your dad, and that was Harvard, right? Once upon a time, <laughs> about eighty pounds ago, I played football when I was there. You mean eighty pounds heavier? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not half the man I used to be, literally. <laughs> but um, I just I took a consulting job right out of college and sort of had the option geographically, West Coast, East Coast, and had a couple friends um, actually from the team that were in Dallas and loved it. Really pitched it. Uh, I was going to be on a plane every week anyway, so it didn't really matter too much. Um, and that's what it was out of the gate. I came to Dallas, and I loved it. And fast forward six or seven years of uh, working in consulting, sort of hopped from a couple firms, new apartment every year, sort of doing <clears throat> the Dallas thing. Uh, really was not thinking about real estate at all. However, he had been sort of poking me and pushing me. You yeah. really ought to think about it, right? That, uh, the market in California had gotten tighter it's always sort of tight i uh, grew up around it um but once once covid hit everything sort of changed i stopped traveling for work and yeah and figured that new construction style sounds pretty good right now right not so bad right <laughs> better late than never but he can probably take yeah right back. how did like you've been doing this your whole life practically your whole entire career right yeah yeah i moved to california in 78 i was born that year <laughs> Shut up. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to 78. Big <laughs> things happened that year. <laughs> yeah, 78. Oh, yeah. Special year for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, I ended up going to USC, and then when I graduated, I was already in the, uh, in the trades. I was doing tile work on the side and started a little tile business while I was in college, and then when I got out of college, I built my tile business up, and then I just transitioned into doing real estate development. So, so I built my first house in '92, and um, I've been building ever since. So, um, we're not contractors in the sense where we build for people. We we buy land. We're speculative developers. Right. We buy land. 
get construction loans, hire an architect, um, interface with the architect, design the home, and then we build them, and then we hire realtors like you try to sell them. So right now right. we've got um, Cedar Springs that is 21 or 22 townhomes. I can't remember. 21. 21, and that's coming up soon. And then we've got... Um, uh, 7537 Centenary, uh, which is Dallas, and that one's listed at 3.2. And then we have 404823 Cowan, which is over at the Bird Streets area, that we have listed at 1.299, and we have an offer on that one right now. And then y'all have three other projects that are going right now. There's uh, one that's over there close to Cedar Springs, which is, what, yeah. Caddy Corner from it? Two, uh, two in Lower Greenville, one at McMillan, and one on Euclid, and um, we've got another seven townhome unit project on Dickinson. And that's the one Andrew's trying to snag one for himself, right? Uh, yeah, couple snag <laughs> all of them if we can. <laughs> yeah, depending upon sort of where the market's at and what's going on, um, would like to build and hire finance and and rent and yeah, develop some sort of an asset management or portfolio out of the spec business that we have put together here. You know, yeah. custom homes, you build them, you sell them, it's cash flow. Right. Um, but the long-term recurring revenue generation isn't there, right? You gotta reinvest, you gotta find another project, maybe take some profits, save some, um, you know, whatever you end up doing, whatever your model is. But the townhomes, you can take the same speculative approach, um, but you don't necessarily need to sell all of them, right? Um, maybe you sell a portion just to cover the cost of the construction and then you keep the rest maybe you rent all of them i would say the market doesn't really allow the numbers to work right uh, especially if you're building a higher end product a more luxury product you kind of need that price point to get your money out of the deal yeah well i'll tell you one 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 thing that um i've noticed from feedback on the houses that you guys build is the product level that you build is very high end no matter what the price point is like the one on cowan shows like a much more expensive house it than does. we have it listed for. It does. Jay wants to buy it, actually. No, I, what, what I love about y'all's <laughs> homes is while they're they're big homes and they're gorgeous, they feel homey. It feels like a comfortable home. And it just like, I think both both houses that Damon have listed right now, they just, they have like a good energy to them. It's just, That's it's true. a good flow. It just, you walk in there and you're like, wow, this is a nice space, as opposed to some of these real pieces of shit that people build around here. There is there is some stuff that it's There's just like, oh, my God, why did you do and that? The, the corners are cut in so many of these um, spec, spec homes. Yeah. Like they, they, they're so, you walk through them after seeing nice ones for the same price, and you can literally just pick them apart. Like, okay, they skimmed here, they skimmed here. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I was, I was holding it open last weekend, and I was like, literally talking to people that were kind of doing the home tour around that area over there because there was like five open houses around us that weekend only five something like that five or six but there's more <laughs> listed over there than that yeah but uh there was five i think open the weekend so they're like walking in and i'm like tell me that this isn't the nicest one that you've seen today because it is for the yeah. area over there that's a hundred percent the accurate statement for that house and um it's it, it's funny because like you know the building for profit in a market that's tougher to sell you can you can really see how the builders can immediately look at a profit or a loss based on the inventory and the interest because that area over there does not have a huge buyer pool that's just chomping at it to to go buy the house. Mm. So for the price, I'm not surprised that we have an offer on ours because 
It really is the best one over there for the money. Oh, it is. There's a new one that was just listed for 1.5. It's of course the ultra modern. Yeah, you know the ones that you literally. I think where you, Greg was the one that said it. I think originally when we were talking about it, he said, you know, ultra modern in Texas is not what California is, right? Because the California can do the ultra modern on a much higher scale or know how to do it better than a lot of the stuff here in Dallas. Like Dallas is trying to do the modern style through what they think the modern style is. In California, it's perfected as a craft. Yeah, it's like modern cheap. Exactly. Well, that's just like what it is here. It's it's modern cheap. It almost feels yeah. modern cheap. When you have to look at where those, where you're seeing that product in California, mm -hmm. it's in Beverly Hills. Exactly. Where you have these cascading hills, so the floor to ceiling gla glass is really highlighting the profile of the yard, or it's right on the strip, you know, on the beach where you have you have, you have views, you have elevations and views. Yeah. In Texas, you don't have that. Get a gorgeous view of the flat. tollway. Yeah. So I mean, we're obviously a little biased. We yeah. we like what we're doing, but we stick to transitional and traditional. Try to appeal to a larger buying base. Is I I like modern. I would buy modern, but no, you most did, people you, my age can't afford houses anyway. So right. why are we yeah. talk about that? Regar regardless <laughs> of the style, it it takes experience to sort of figure out exactly a comfortable floor plan to live in. So I've lived in seven of the houses that I built. And once you live in a house that you've designed and built, and then you realize the mistakes, just just for example, the width of the hall, right, or the way the staircase staircase functions from downstairs to upstairs, or you know your garage connection to your your kitchen, or just just all the basic things that you really don't think about unless you're a builder, right, or you're a homeowner. And you live there, and you start walking around that house, you start realizing this is not set up properly, even if you don't know exactly instinctively. So I've got 25 years of feedback from buyers, and and it, it really, you know, and so you have to be safe because we're not going to appeal to everybody as a spec builder. No matter what you do, somebody's not going to like something. But there's a way to, to create a safe space that's very functional. And one of the things really important for me, I don't like to waste a lot of space. If you want a million dollar feel, you have to sort of make the house spacious, feel open. And so you do waste some space in that sense, but still you can make your hallways and your and your access to all your rooms very efficient so you're not wasting space. People really appreciate that. You know, because if you're buying 4,000 square feet, you wanna make sure you get the most bang for your buck. And, and the more usable, Every square foot is the more valuable. And that, that's one thing about the uh, houses that you build, like uh, the two that we have listed on, on Centenary and Cowan, is like people walk in, they say, this feels wider and bigger than some of the others that have been in, that are there yeah. in the area. And I think it's the high ceilings. Yeah. The white, when you walk in the door, you'll kept that area, those areas kind of open. Mm -hmm. And that's important. I think how large the house actually feels for the square footage. So that's when we get we get tons of good positive feedback, and I want to circle back to one thing from 1992, which you can piece this however you want. It's only 20 uh, years of 1992, you said you built your first house. So then, yeah. from there, how did how did you get to Dallas? Um, well, uh, I met a gentleman here that ha that owned some properties, and he wanted to develop them, but he he uh, needed some support. And I met him during COVID. I came here to visit Andrew. And um, so we exchanged numbers. And then I talked to him a couple of months later, ended up 
working a deal out where we created a partnership to do a townhome project. And um, it was a pretty, pretty big project. So I wanted to come here and sort of see who was going to develop it, how everything was going to work out. So when I came, I realized my partner wasn't, he wasn't going to have the, he didn't have the experience to develop it. And um, if I was going to do it, I was obviously going to have to stay here. So I made a decision just to stay and we ended up, uh, you know, we came for a month and did it, uh, rented Airbnb and then we bought a house and we settled in and leased our house out in California. And it, and I, one of the, one of my motivations was to get him involved in the business. Right. I figured if I come here then, you know, and he was still working at Deloitte doing consulting, but he wanted to get involved at least on a part, part-time basis initially. <laughs> um, and so that's how it, and, and the thing was California was locked down. The oh, yeah. were closed. So it was a real good, a really good time just to leave the state for a while. Yeah. Because we were on lockdown. Next so. step in the process for sure. So how has that been for y'all working together and managing a business relationship versus a father-son relationship? <laughs> a good question. Because I've worked with my dad too, and yeah. through that, he's kind of become my best friend. Yeah. But there's also times I'm like, oh, he's calling again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to talk business right now. But like, you know, so it's, <laughs> but it's, it's the best thing. So how has that been for y'all? Good question. <laughs> Neither one of you want to answer. I can tell. Neither one of where are you at right now? Our rent's great. We had a little argument this morning. So, so, so he's like probably before. thinking about that. Pissed at your pops right now. <laughs> Drink another shot of that whiskey. <laughs> uh, for as a father, I'm very proud of him. He's really he's a great kid. He's really <laughs> like caught on so fast to what we're doing, and uh, he still has a lot to learn. But he's I mean he's learned so fast, and I'm trying to pass this trade on to him mm -hmm. before I get to the point where I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not as active and I can't, I can't be in it as involved. So, um, ultimately the goal is to create the foundation for him and then he can take off with it and, and take it to the next level with guys like Damon, you yeah. know? So I definitely think Andrew has a very good business mind. Like every time we talk about things, he's always got plans that he's, he's thinking of for projects and, you know, how he's moving forward with what he wants to do and accomplish. And uh, <clears throat> coming from the background that he's doing with consulting, I think it's a good match. Yeah. Yeah. He uses that a lot. You know, he uses that experience. It, it helps us helps yeah. us a lot. No, it worked out really well. I'd say we're perfect complements in a lot of ways. I mean, shoot. we Are y'all a lot alike? Son? Do y'all think a lot alike? Absolutely. Is that where y'all butt heads sometimes? Very, very similar. Yeah. And you got to understand, like, he raised myself, my brother, and my sister, put us all through every sport that you can imagine, and we were all D1 athletes. My sister played pro for a couple years, so. Wow. We're all psychopaths. Mm -hmm. And and we're, <laughs> and, and we're, we're, we're a very high-functioning family in the capacity. Most people probably think we're crazy, right? And not understand, like, with all the friction and this and that, like, in We'll scream at each other five minutes later. It's like, what the hell happened? Like, you know, we move on really, really quickly, yep. and it makes for a really good working relationship. But just his experience as a developer and a builder, and me coming in with a bunch of hard skills from consulting, like I was a project manager. So everything from, you know, putting a plan on a page to managing a timeline and, you know, sort of working backwards from a budget and all the f finance and accounting um, and using a computer which evidently you need to a lot in yeah. a house now. <laughs> no kidding. The house can't be built without it, actually. Yeah. Funny enough, so we're, we're, a good, we're a good team, I'd like to think. So I was holding Count open 
a few weeks ago, and this lady opened one of the kitchen cabinets, and she gasped, and I was like, oh, God, what, is there, like, a dead squirrel in there or something? <laughs> and she saw the outlets and was like, finally, someone got this right. So what are some things that you have learned through the process? Like, this is essential. These little details are essential in making a house a home. Well, like, the simplest thing is, like, in your pantry, Right. There may be a time where you have some kind of a, a piece of equipment that's in your pantry. Could be a toaster, yep. anything. You yep. need a plug. Yeah. You don't see plugs in pantries. No. No. Right? But you, see but you do see kitchenaids yep. in pantries all well, the time now. Yeah. That's a whole different now. That's a that's a whole different topic. Our we're doing McMillan, we're putting in a functional pantry that's like a workstation. Yeah. Right. Which it's is a new trend and it is. We're catching on to that. Um the one trend that I keep hearing is not a good thing though for people is the under cabinet microwave. Yeah. Because of tall people. <laughs> well, it's I love <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> well, like six, I mean, we're both five and he's like, I love it. I <laughs> I'd rather have the my microwave in the upper yeah. cabinet built in. But the trend right now is people want to see that that tray that you know automatically opens yep. up yeah. in the lower cap. I like it. Yeah, and the, for kids, we, kids love it up there. I mean, for us, it's all about cost. Yeah, and 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 so we have to sort of itemize how many things can we upgrade. Like every spec builder, they can't just they can't just make everything really really nice. You have to stay on a strict budget. You sort of itemize. Okay, we're going to do level five plaster in this house, drywall in this house. Which is like a real smooth plaster finish. It looks it looks like plaster. That's right. an upgrade. Right, absolutely. It's only in upscale houses where you see that. Right. In the kitchen. Oh, we're gonna do a forty eight inch built in refrigerator. That's an upgrade. You know? You put a fr a thirty six inch fridge in, maybe you spend three, four thousand for a really nice one. A built in is gonna cost you eight to twelve thousand and up. You know, so you have to go through that process and it's give and take. And then, and no matter what you do, there's going to be buyers that come in and say, oh, I'm glad you did this. And other buyers are going to come in and say, oh, but you didn't do this. So, you know, you do the best you can. Mm -hmm. uh, but constantly, I want that feedback because I want to stay on the cutting edge to try yeah. to keep refining, yeah. keep improving. The new one's coming up. Bad, bad, and everything's bad, bad. always changed. I mean, now, compared to when I started building, everything's it's very different now. It what is. People, what they want and their expectations. And that's so, actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Like, what's, what is, what is y'all's, what would you say you're, like, you've been building for a long time. What would you say, like, your, one of your biggest challenges is for the actual uh, new construction world that we're living in today versus even 10 years ago? I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. 20, 30, 30, 25 to 30 years ago, people didn't have all these TV show reality shows where they're showing, <laughs> showing remodels. Mm -hmm. Now you have shrewd buyers that are watching all these shows. Oh, yeah. And they sort of know what they want. And they yep. come in. If you're not up to date, they will, they're on it. Like, yeah, this is 10 years old. Yeah. Why'd you do this? You know, so, <laughs> so you got to, You've got to be following the trends, yeah, because that's what people expect. What about in the market today with um, construction costs? I mean, during the lockdowns and COVID, and I mean, we we're seeing crazy stuff happening with lumber costs and sheetrock costs and concrete, and everything was twice as expensive as what yeah. it was. I'm assuming almost that's calmed down. We're back into a normalized level, but still probably higher than pre-COVID, I'm assuming. Yeah. Or do they just get used to, like plumbers get used to receiving that so premium? Yeah, yeah, on anywhere, yeah. right? Yeah, as the as the cost on your 
Friday night dinner mm-hmm. now. Hell no. Paying more than you want. Hell yep. no, it hasn't. That's you know, been so crazy. Same thing, same thing for us. Like, lumber isn't the fuck you price that it was mm-hmm. building in COVID. Like to put in perspective, we spent 120000 on our lumber package on Cowan. Mm-hmm. It's a 4,000 square foot home. Mm-hmm. We spent 90000 on our lumber package, lumber package at Centenary. It's a 5,600 square foot home. Let's calm down. We started them six months <laughs> apart from each other. But they this have, is the shit. What is that, like 2,000 square feet bigger on Centenary? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Approximately. Sixty. You factor in the garage and everything, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Figure it's So wiring. 30% less for 30% bigger house. It, <laughs> so the wild. So what happened with lumber is the, the lumber company, oh they mismanaged. They... They didn't anticipate what the demand was going to be during COVID. Yeah, I can imagine. And so there was a huge shortage. And so it just drove up the price of lumber. And a lot of the lumber companies went out of business. And and the last recession, 2009, 10, 11, they went out of business. So the guys that were able to survive that market. Named their that When they saw COVID, they're thinking this is the next recession. They were thinking about how to survive and get through it like they did in 2010 and and they had no idea there was going to be the demand that there was for lumber and the, and so they missed it and so not enough lumber everybody needs it they charge more mm-hmm. so. so basically it wasn't really well i guess it technically was supply and demand but it was also the biggest issue is because the other companies went out of business and the other the ones that stayed in business were like you have to choose us now so they we're gonna we're projection. Gonna, yeah, uh, lumber's a bit like a very interesting business, and um, you know they have to do a projection because, you know they they have to negotiate what how much of the forest that they're gonna buy, what they're gonna cut down, who's gonna mill it. It's a huge expense in doing all that, and then they don't want the lumber to sit there after they do that. So they they don't want to make an investment that that's gonna collect dust and they're not gonna be able to sell it. Yeah, yeah. So if anything, they'd rather have more of a demand than less of a demand but they had no idea it was going to be that 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 bad yeah and that's it's one of the things that i keep hearing you know out there from like the world of what we were building in versus now it's like you have more competition out there now with people trying to build again because i mean there was a lot of people that you know stopped really going after business at the time because they couldn't afford to make money. Well, they couldn't make money on the cost of everything that was happening. So people like paused for six months or eight months or whatever. It's, it's starting to come back around now for, um, the ones that did weather the storm, but a lot of builders didn't make it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I lost it, lost. And remember that one that we looked at that was over at the M streets. That was the one on the corner and the builder went under and we were yeah, like, yeah. how, oh, can, yeah, yeah. how can we figure this house out? Oh, it was such a bizarre yeah. floor plan. But that was that was an example of of a builder that was overextending themselves, and then when the when they couldn't you know basically afford to finish the house out, they were like, okay, well I'm gonna let this one go, and I'm gonna hope hopefully focus on some others that can close. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're in a um, this is a period where we've overpaid for any 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 properties that we had. At this point, we've overpaid for them. Everybody. Mm-hmm. So, and the building costs are still up. So, until there's more of a more of a, uh, a a drop in the prices, and you're seeing the prices are going down now. Yeah, and they're going to go down more. I'm not trying to scare anybody. This is just the this and is this just is where we end the podcast. 
this is the process. But but the good news is that uh, there's going to be an adjustment. The land prices will go down, and he's going to be in a prime position for the next market that does the same right. thing that this one did. No, you are. Uh, but I think Dallas, uh, the unique thing about Dallas, I don't think Dallas is going to get hit as hard as some other places. No, I don't think right so. now because people are coming in and that. And the price point here is still low compared to like where I'm from in California. I mean, you can buy a townhouse here for seven, eight hundred thousand in a nice part of town in California. You want to buy that same townhouse? It's two million. Yeah, yeah. So and and you know the jobs in California aren't paying three times as much as they are here. So you can get a good paying job here and spend substantially less on your on your home. Well, the other the other thing that you know you what you're talking about with the building uh, overpaying and everything. It's like, <clears throat> I heard literally this morning from Brian McCauley, Dallas Mortgage Band, shout out, uh, interest rates 2024 estimated to drop two full percentage points. Yeah. If that happens, which yeah. all the news out there is pointing to, it's going to drop significantly. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're going to be right back to pre-COVID. We're not going to be crazy, but we're going to be in a really good market. Yeah. And I think that's all it's going to take for anybody like us is, you know, selling new construction. Because right now everybody really looks at this as like, well, it's a rate issue. Yeah. There is inflation. But yeah. how would we be any different right now if the rates were at 4%? We wouldn't be we wouldn't be any different than pre-COVID at all. We'd be almost on par for rates, and then we'd also have the same demand because it was a seller's market before – it yep. went to a skyrocketing seller's market previously. So when that all happened, like if it's just a rate issue, then, you know, everybody's still going to be out there trying to find land and build and continue on down the road because the demand in Dallas, like just relocation in general, Trey and I were talking about this the other day, like the relocation market for Dallas has been a super hot spot, like super hot spot because you you hear national news about Dallas, 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 what was it? 350 companies have moved to mm -hmm. Dallas in like the last 36 months. Yeah, we're not going to never not be a seller's market. Right. Like, you know, you, you put it you put it as a standpoint of like, if the demand and the relocation continues the way it's going to continue and then the only component is the rates, then we're going to we're gonna do what we do. We're right. going to send up selling houses and we're going to all be in a position where like the market's going to continue to increase. Yeah. Right now, this is the first time... Let's see, I've been selling since early 2000s, and uh, even when the rates were at 8%, I mean, we were still selling houses because nobody really knew any better back then. But um, this is the first time since I've been in real estate where we have been slowed down based on one factor, and it's rates. Yeah, The economy is the economy. It's going to go up and down. We're always going to have this, and it seems like every time we have a presidential election, the the you know the market goes up and down, and people say these this is the problems, and we're going to fix all this, and it's always like this. But I feel like we're ninety five percent rate related right now, and if that fixes, then I think we're all going to be happy with twenty twenty four. Yeah, I I I agree, and I I think areas like where on um, where Cowan is, that area that that's sort of a transitional area for second time buyers. Maybe they've bought a townhome. And now they're looking for a house, right? But they can't afford the nicest neighborhood, but they want a new house that's that that has more room. And so, that's a second-time buyer typically. And so, they're putting twenty, twenty-five percent down. Yeah. So they're relying on financing. Yeah. 
Whereas in a house like Centenary, they might come in with 50% or more down. They're relying less on the financing. So they're, they're not hit as hard by whatever the interest rates are. Um, so, so the, here's, here's the thing I struggle with, uh, with, with the area where Cowan is and also Midway Hollow. Okay. So both of those areas are really good locations, actually. If yeah. you look at it as a standpoint of, oh, yeah, like access. just access, centralization, everything, infrastructure completely set up and ready to go. I mean, you look at the Bird Streets, literally set, uh, separated by one street, which is Lover's Lane. Opposite side of Lover's, you have Bluff View. Yeah. Bluff View is a freaking monster for such a small little space. Yeah. And you you could literally walk across Lover's and be in Bluff View in a five-minute walk. Mm-hmm. But yet the price points are almost half. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like that much of a difference for one street. So why were they not developed sooner is my question. We're in 2023. Dallas has been on the map for a relocation hotspot and has all these different amazing sub-markets. Preston Hollow, M Streets, Lakewood, Park Cities. But then you have these two areas that have like literally been mixed in the middle of them for years. People have done anything with them for like until the last five years or six years. And then all of a sudden they're like, uh, you know, booming with builders and everything else. But then the traction still is is fairly low. Like you get sales out of them, but it's they're nowhere near the price points of what all these other surrounding areas are. It's bizarre. Like really, there's a couple of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts on that one. the The neighborhood itself doesn't necessarily want to improve. True, they actually voted to reduce lot coverage, so you can't build the same house that we did on Cowan anymore. So there's a little bit of sort of that's localized a pushback. <laughs> it is. Which that's just that's just going to change. Look at how much transitional areas, desirable transitional areas, have changed already in Dallas, right? You take East Dallas, Lower Greenville, those houses are turning over. It's 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 coming. It's a $2 million neighborhood, almost, we'll say. But another problematic component, and I'm a little biased on this one, but I think the right product in there is something more traditional. Mm-hmm. There are not enough bachelors who want a big frat house, and that's what all the builders were doing down there. And that's I agree. another problematic component and it's a good thing for the most part. There are no barriers to entry to building in Dallas. Shit, I got started just teaming up with him effectively, right? If you can find a lender that'll 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 put the money together and and you can get your plans across the finish line with the city, that's all you need to do. Like when we first got started, he was wondering where like how he transitions over his builder's license from California. We go down to the city, they're looking at us like we're crazy. Pay your hundred and 50 bucks. Yeah. You're a builder. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. It's true. So you get guys that are self-teaching online. They're teaching themselves how to build. They're hiring just enough people to get the job done, but they're trying to make money. So they're not over hiring, right? They're trying to keep their overhead low. So, I mean, honestly, you just, you got a lot of shitty competition that's biasing what's good out there. And again, maybe I'll blame that. I blame that on the first few builders that did take the leap in those areas. Yeah. Because they did do that, they thought that that area needed that ultra modern style. Yeah, and those right. ultra moderns did sell, but also it sold at a price point that was nowhere near where things are selling now. Mm-hmm. They were selling new construction in uh, the Bird Streets by Cowan for like eight hundred thousand. They're picking up lots for one hundred and fifty thousand back then. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're like, we put half a million into it, and we're walking away with a couple hundred thousand, and we'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. Now the price points are damn near double on some of these areas, but the product hasn't changed. 
It's yeah. just the price. Yeah. So like the traditional stuff that you were talking about, I said that, and that's exact the identical same situation in Midway Hollow. Mm-hmm. Literally, somebody started out there with the ultra modern. They sold a few, and then people thought, "There's the magic formula. Let's yeah. copy it." And yeah. just and and the builders that you said like just got their license. Everybody started to decide, "I'm going to start building over there because that's the new best thing." Well, it actually did the exact opposite and saturated the market with something that really didn't have the n- enough people that liked that product. The traditional would have done real well. Yeah. The traditional would have been like the thing that for an affordable traditional house, that's why Bluffy is so mm-hmm. doing so well because it is a traditional built house over there. There's very few ultra moderns. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the resale numbers in East Dallas. People love old brick homes. Absolutely. It's the best selling. I mean, yeah. Robin Meadow, we know. Yeah. Uh, Lake Highlands. I mean, it's, it's, that's what most people want, right? And I, and I, they see people, the buyers selecting that product. Take, take Cowan. It's listed at one three. There's a teardown. It's not technically a teardown next to us on Centenary. Yeah. It's a eighteen hundred square foot two bedroom, ready to fall down. They put some lipstick on it. It looks fine. Is that the one that sold for one point one next door? It, it, they listed it for one one. It pushed one three. Yeah. So yeah. so and this is in Dallas. Yeah, right? it's not the now you can go across town in a in a arguably better accessed location, better restaurants, like better overall, at least in, in my opinion, for the same price and it's new and it's nine day difference. difference, yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but it it still needs it still needs five years in these two. It, it does yeah. because Centenary is three well, doors three. three doors down from University Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're on the same street. Yep. And so shit. your <laughs> neighbors, the majority of them, as you go to the West, are all University Park residents. Yeah. So the, old, the, the only negative to the Centenary property is it's Dallas school system. Right. But if you're spending $3 million for your house, you can afford to put your kids in private school. So it's really right. not an issue anyway. But it's a whole different thing. But to, ba- to back to what you were saying about um, all these different architectural styles, and how they came about, you know, these builders, what I've learned is these guys that have been in the business for 10 years or less, they've never been in a bad market. That's true. The last bad market was 2010, 11, 12. And from there on straight up. They haven't had to roll their sleeves up and and deal with competition and with houses sitting around. And, and if your house isn't better, it's not going to sell, you know, for six months to a year. I've been through that twice. You learn from your mistakes. And um, I can tell you if three years ago, it didn't like, as long as your product, your finished product was okay, it was going to sell and you were going to make money. And that's exactly why you see the stuff that's happening with some of these builders now is because they've kind of done the same thing for a long time. And then they, I think they overestimate like lot value and then how much the house can really sell for. Yeah. Because if the market turns as fast as it did with us, it literally turned overnight. I've never seen a market turn around as quickly as this one did. And it was, again, all rate related. You can't you can't raise rates by two and a half times what they were and then expect things not to slow down immediately. Like, because the, 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 the amount, how quickly the Fed was meeting and how aggressively they were raising the rates, nobody was like, I should buy a house real quick. They were like, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Maybe they're just, oh, yeah. you know, the headlines are gonna, gonna go on. 
Yeah, they're the, just their primary to... incentive is to stop people from buying. That 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 was the fine, you know, in the fine print. Their number one, the Fed's number one goal was to stop big asset purchasing, levered asset purchasing. Right, make the cost of money so expensive Nobody that it do. stops, and that will ultimately put downward pressure on inflation. And there was definitely and it worked problematic inflation mm-hmm. in the housing mm-hmm. market, but it's not going to do anything to your grocery trips. Um, Inflation's sticky, but the other the, the other thing about it was that um, you know twenty twenty three was really not that bad of a year for real estate if you look at like like in the last ten years yeah like it was still a good year for real estate but it was we were coming off of the best year of real estate anybody's ever seen right. or the best two years really do you feel like with the rates being what they were this last year that some of the shittier quality competition has left the playing field and kind of opened room for quality builders to come back or do you feel like they're still trickling along and i i told andrew this when i first came here before it happened i said i've seen this before Mm -hmm. the real estate market can't keep this pace up yeah and and all these inexperienced builders that aren't licensed they don't Mm -hmm. they don't really know what they're doing but you can get in the business and get by with it when there's no inventory so you can if you can build something that's halfway decent and it sells in a day you know yep and people are like, there's five people trying to buy it. Mm-hmm. So you really can't complain about what it is. You just come in and, you know, if you have to, you come in and you fix it after you buy it, right? So it was that, the market was that good. It was, there was that much hysteria. Yeah. Think about all the people that bought those houses that were not well built and how much they overpaid for those houses because of the market they were in right now. Oh, yeah. It's going to be kind of be hard. Yeah. Even in the bird streets, most of those modern homes that you're talking about that have sold over the last couple of years, they're getting retraded. Yeah. So people are seeing like, oh shit, they lived in the house for a year and they're getting out of it. Like, what trying to get out of it. Yeah. Way? Yeah. And it doesn't help that you know you got a dozen, a half dozen of these on Cowan alone, right? So people are looking at their their you know their CMAs and they see three streets and a dozen homes. It's like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. How do you even decipher the the good and the bad. And, and you can't do it on pictures. That's the reason why I actually, I went over and looked at like five of them the other day just to kind of compare. Like I'm telling you like not even a biased opinion. We have, that's the best house on the market for the money over there. Like the other stuff that's out there, like there's one on Stigel. There's another one on, um, what's the one right behind Cowan, whatever that street is. There's, Cowan has March th- University. Three March. plus, yeah, university is tough. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, university. Yeah, that's see, that's that's a price that's a price point. Fortunately, that's our the we we were under contract to do two more houses. I'm glad you bailed. Projects over there, <laughs> and my inclination told me, no, we're gonna we're only gonna do one. Yeah, because if we happen to get into a tough uh, environment sale wise, I don't want to have three three houses on the market. Well, so so we pulled out of the other two projects and um you had was just you had, my sixth sense that let's yeah you're forward thinking it's being nicer and and so but i think the key is if you're in nicer areas you're okay you're going to make less money through this period but my subs are going to ha- ultimately they're going to have to adjust their pricing material prices are going to are going to go down the land prices are going to go down and then consequently, you can sell the house for less and still make a profit. And then 
you just, it's only a matter of time, it'll turn and things will get better. But if you're building a bad product and you really don't know what you're doing, you're in trouble in this market. I agree. And um, we're seeing it everywhere. Yeah, we're seeing it everywhere. It's not its not just isolated to the two places we've been talking about where your houses are. I mean, we've, we've got... We've got across the board areas like builders are now doing 6% commissions to realtors again. We haven't seen that in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was getting those probably right after the bust, 10, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, something in that range. But then that lasted for a few years. And then also like builders like Lennar Homes, yeah, they weren't even paying realtors. When the market turned for the better. Oh, well, they do everything in. Ha- I mean, yeah, they, they were like everything. The financing. They, they were like sales, you get, everything. <laughs> you can have one percent as a courtesy. Now they're giving five percent commissions again. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how the tide turns on some of this stuff because, you know, if if the market is really great, you get it right, and like nobody's yeah. really struggling to do anything. But when the market does turn to a more level playing field, which is kind of how I gauge this market that we're in right now it's not a seller's market it's not a buyer's market it's yeah. it's it's somewhere in between yeah there's negotiations that happen that's a plateau yeah. right that's a very normalized market so when that starts happening then the the you know the strong survive I mean, yeah. the, and, and it's in the real estate market that we're in right now for realtors it's in the builder market it's in the resale market everything all is now coming to anybody who got their license in the last three years i'm literally watching them on social media say that they need a second job i mean they're like we can't even pay our bills because i'm not they're not used to selling one house a month they're used to selling three because they had you know everybody and their mother that they knew was going to try to buy a property so turning the tide it's like now we're we're kind of like this start again we're starting back up again and that's where i feel like we are uh in this market which is not a bad thing you always need a correct help sometimes yeah as far as realtors are concerned Three years ago, the brokerages didn't really have to train the realtors that much. That's right. Because the market was so good, if you had a listing, you were going to sell it. That's right. And so now you have to be very creative, and you got to come up with all kinds of antics to try to put the deal together. And so if you don't have the experience to do it, you got to go back and you got to get to it. So the good news is the realtors that do go through this learning curve They'll gain a lot more confidence, and they'll be a much better. They'll be much better realtors yeah. in the future. But you got to get through the next two years. Yeah, they'll get a notch in their belt now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think y'all do a really good job of mixing modern with a traditional, timeless feel. What are three things that you would today never put in a house? Three. Well, well, my attitude has always been. I don't want the house to look cheap. Mm-hmm. It has to. It has to be good quality. So, so for example, I'm going to put in good quality cabinets. Now they may, and I try to keep my general colors vanilla, mm-hmm. pretty neutral, because mm-hmm. everyone likes different colors. Yeah, but I don't want to put in green if you want blue or yellow. So I'd rather do something semi-neutral that's tasteful. Mm-hmm. You might go with it, or you might want to. I mean, I've had houses in California where custom cabinets, faux finished, and the buyer came in and he's like, I love the house, but I'm changing all the cabinets. Yeah. He he left the cabinets, but he just, he spent like $30,000 refinishing the whole house the way he wanted it done. And he goes, I, I, I like what you did, but it's not my style. Yeah. You know? So, um, so 
the first thing I don't do is I don't try to do any extreme colors. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a trend like in your powder room or in certain areas of the house, they'll do these really bright, outrageous colors. I think it's a mistake because you're narrowing your target group. But I do appreciate like how you incorporate like a pattern in the powder room. And okay. there's there's still some like there's some life to it. I I always say, yeah, no, absolutely. Saying that the centenary's powder room is is pewter green with oh, old I, fixtures. Oh, in a it's one Taj of the Mahal best. Countertop. No, I, I like loud. And I, it's not, it's not no, too bad. It's it not looks, loud. It looks good. So it no, it's not loud. But I say like it doesn't photograph well because like you have to see the quality of it to like understand it. Yeah, like yeah. it's pretty, but like you got to like see it. Like yeah. it's so much better in person. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you wouldn't okay. you wouldn't do anything crazy with the color. What else? What are some two other things you wouldn't you, do? No carpet. At least two. No, no carpet. No, 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 I love that actually. Even yeah. in, even in a like even in our townhomes, I won't yep. do any carpet. Yeah, buy a rug. Most people do. As soon as they see carpet, it's like the plague these yep. days. Mm -hmm. They'll put in drop rugs if they want a carpeted surface on mm -hmm. top of their hard surface. They don't want carpet. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I like that. That's really a good selling point, too. I've yeah. pointed out every time I show somebody. And the other thing engineer I'm do is an understated front door. Ever. So I will not build a $2 million house with a 36 inch front door. You can't even get your furniture through it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one of these builders, they have. They have like a, a 36 inch front door, and it's like, how do the people move in? Yeah. The garage door is not over 36 inches. So it's like, how do you get a big sofa through that? I mean, I just, and the other thing is, people that spend, we typically don't build under a million and a half. So you spend a million and a half dollars, you know, that's not your first home. Yeah. I want the, I want the person to feel like when their guests walk up, it's like, oh my gosh, look at this entry. That's very true. Your doors are heavy. It it's like, welcome. Yeah, it is. I don't like, want it understated. Yeah. You know, so. I'll tell you what, though. The next thing we need to find is a yard big enough for a pickleball court. Because that's the thing right now. Oh, what? Yeah. I've had a good at least half a dozen people that are looking what? for houses tell me that they need this amount of yard size. And I'm like, that's very specific. And it's like, yeah, pickleball. Super popular. Yeah. Think how, think how small the courts are and think how easy it is to plug one of those in your backyard cost-wise. It's like maybe a third of the cost of a tennis court, but people love it. Like it's now the thing where like people are like, instead of cornhole, you're having people over playing pickleball. That's true. You can do yes. half-court half basketball. I mean, look at Lifetime too. Fitness where we go. There's pickleball. Oh, yeah. Those right. two courts. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's funny. It's a bit, and then there was this, uh, this high-rise tower that turned a penthouse into indoor pickleball courts. And apparently it's doing very well. Well, I <laughs> I invested in a 21 uh, court volleyball facility in California. My kids, two of my kids played volleyball. So it's a, it's a big volleyball facility for big tournaments. And they started diversifying and doing basketball tournaments. But after COVID, they got hit really hard. I can imagine. Sort of shut down. It was a $5 million Hard to play project. volleyball with masks. Since everybody in California, but they what they did was they transitioned into pickleball courts, and now they're crushing it. The investment is doing really well. Oh yeah, they're crushing it. You been a chicken and pickle? What's that? Chicken and pickle? You been there? No. Oh, it's a place they sell. They serve chicken, and it's like a pickleball court. It's a great oh, really? place. Seriously? Yeah, it's in, a grapevine. It's a, it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Rant. But I think we're yeah. Go ahead. To answer your question, uh, well, at electric stove. <laughs> 
Yeah, never feel that. Never, never. I'd say any any lot that doesn't have gas run to it, you should pass immediately and not even look at it any further. (laughs) I mean, especially Texas. Eventually, the the soon the technology is going to change. Not the politic political stuff you're hearing about no gas, but the technology is changing for stoves pretty soon. Stoves as we know it are going to be obsolete. There's new technology coming. Oh yeah, and it's it's a it's it's not gas and it's 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 more electric, but You'll see, and that that's going to take over. We're not invested. It's in the powered technology. by. This is not a pitch. <laughs> it's coming. Go ahead. Yeah, I think if you're doing townhomes, I think ele- I think electric is okay. If you're doing town, how do you think Cedar Springs will fare with electric stoves? Uh, be, we'll be uh, just fine on that. Uh, townhomes. We'll put we'll put propane tanks. We're, back. I mean, I'm I'm doing. We're taking gas up to the fourth. We're taking gas up to the roof. Rooftop. Oh yeah. Oh. Water everything. We're, we're prepping it so you can put a jacuzzi up there, like every yeah. Have to pimp out uh, the deck. Thank God. What's the point of setting it up? <laughs> yes. If they can, you, you know, can so I love days. that. Yeah, yeah. If you have a barbecue, you would barbecue probably on your rooftop deck on on our townhome. So because you're yeah, you, let, you got city views, you know. So, yeah. Um, and it, you can put a jacuzzi up there, so stubbing gas out for the barbecue. Um, because yeah, who wants to carry a propane tank? Three flights of stairs. Oh man, the gays are gonna eat that up. What? Ah, <laughs> oh, we're gonna sick. we're gonna wrap up now, and then I want Andrew if you want to give us your Instagram so people can see the uh, the. I think you're the one that's running it, so it's impressive yeah. actually. Work in <laughs> progress. I'm working on a. We'll call it a back office transformation where I'm not spending as much time on accounting and social <laughs> and all these things. All the things you really have to do these money. days, you just have to do them right. Uh, but at Strange and Sons Dev D E V Dev, um, that's that's our Instagram handle. There's not a ton of. Content. I'd like for you to do one one favor for everybody. Post the picture of you in Harvard where you're 100 pounds heavier. Looks like <laughs> yes, looks like please. a different dude. Trust me. I'll uh, go back up there. Yeah, it's it's once upon a time, right? Yeah, things that you do to to get yourself a good education and experience. But if you recognize me. The guy in the picture probably ate my current self. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, literally that much different. Damon, if someone wants to buy a house, how can they reach out to you? Well, it would be agency dot, the agency dot Dallas on Instagram and then the agency Dallas TX.com. You can follow me at Trey underscore Stewart. Sometimes I surprise Damon with a camera in his face, and it's funny. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. We really appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. I love what you build. I'm happy to be a part of it. And you've been listening to the Agency Dallas. This is the Red Mike. See you next time. This has been the Red Mike, the weekly podcast where real estate meets reality. On this show, you'll get all the tools and hear from all the pros to set you up for successful real estate ventures. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten something from it. Make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us at theagency.dallas, at Realtor Damon, and at Trey underscore Stewart. Catch you next time on the...